Welcome to Talking Infrastructure, the fortnightly podcast brought to you by global infrastructure company, ACOM. In this series, we'll be discussing the hot topics, key projects and innovations that are helping to solve some of the world's most complex infrastructure challenges. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Talking Infrastructure podcast. My name is James Banks and I'm head of external relations in Europe, the Middle East and Africa for ACOM. Today's podcast is focusing on a topic that aims to ensure that infrastructure development brings a positive impact to society above and beyond the benefits of the infrastructure itself, that is. I am, of course, talking about social value. Joining me to discuss this much-talked-about subject is my regular co-host, Roma Agrawal. Hello, Roma. Back from your holidays. How was it? Um, very rainy. The rain continues, but I suppose that's what happens when you go on holiday in England. Staycation to Devon? <laughs> it was, yes. Fantastic. Good. I'm glad you're back. Also joining us is ACOM's Zach Dixon and Guy Battle from the Social Value Portal. Zach is part of our ACOM EMEA bid strategy team. He works with our technical and project teams to help position us and win ACOM's largest bids. Prior to joining ACOM, Zach worked, with, worked for Galliford, Try and Amy in business development and bid management roles. Prior to his career working in the construction industry, Zach completed a PhD in political sociology. Zach is also a trustee of the Birmingham-based Jericho Foundation, a charity which operates 10 social enterprises across the city and whose mission is to help disadvantaged groups overcome barriers to employment and training. Welcome, Zach. Thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure to introduce our guest, Guy Battle. Guy is a sustainability consultant with over 30 years of experience. Guy originally trained as an engineer, and much of his early career was focused within the real estate industry, during which time he worked on a number of award-winning projects with internationally renowned architects. More recently, Guy was the lead partner for sustainability at Deloitte LLP, where he worked closely with many corporates, helping them solve some of the key sustainability challenges facing the world of corporate business. Guy set up the Social Value Portal in 2014 and now works with public and private sector to deliver social value. Guy also supported Hazel Blears MP with a review of the Public Services Social Value Act with a series of cross-party recommendations to Cabinet Office. Welcome, Guy. Good to be here. Thank you. So, first of all, what is social value? Is it as straightforward as my, my very loose introduction there around bringing a positive impact to society? Social value is defined by the Social Value Act. And yes, it does. And it is all about bringing a positive impact to society. The Act itself defines social value as a triple bottom line issue. So social, economic and environmental uh, well-being, if you like. And in that respect, it's kind of it's, it's almost the Act that we've been waiting for as sustainability consultants for the past 10, 15 years, uh, because it enshrines in, in, in legislation a requirement for all public sector bodies to take into account social value during procurement. So that's really interesting because we've mentioned sustainability. So tell us a bit about how that relates to social value. Has social value now kind of overtaken sustainability? 
So there is a subtle difference between social value and sustainability. The way I kind of explain it is that you might have an sust- overall sustainability strategy, but social value is the thing that is delivered on the ground. Social value through its nature is granular. It's about delivering new jobs for you know, long-term unemployed. It's about apprenticeships. It's about volunteering in our communities. It's about you know, environmental, reducing environmental impact. So it fits under an umbrella. So it's almost as if it's an applied sustainability strategy. And that's how we, we go about defining it. I think there's an interesting timing on this is that our friends at Cabinet Office produced a, a consultation document to cross the public sector yesterday. So it's interesting timing on this. And this is the one bit I'll read out, but they, they, they gave a, a bit of a pithy definition. And they said social value is the wider financial and non-financial impacts of projects and programmes, including the well-being of individuals and communities, social capital and the environment. So ex- exactly what we've just said. But it, it's to me, it's the added value. It's the wider benefits that we would do through our day job stuff. It's the methods that we choose to do things and the way we choose to do it and how that produces extra benefits over and above what we're being paid to do directly, if that makes sense. So, I mean, in the past, we've used a lot of initiatives around corporate social responsibility. So I think, Zach, from the point of view of, you know, a consultancy, a corporate, what do you think the difference really is between CSR, which we may be a bit more familiar with, and social value, as we've just been discussing now? Great question. Um, And CSR is something that most people are familiar with to an extent. Um, And it's something that's been in our kind of terminology and in our workplaces and the way we do things for a long time. And I think social value is is CSR plus, 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 I guess, in simple terms for someone like me. CSR, if, if I'm being, you know, slightly unkind um, for the purposes of this, is, is generally more kind of short term. It's generally a bit more ad hoc. It's generally kind of in discrete places. I think social value, if you cut to the thrust of it, is it's one, it's encouraging, it's ways of doing things which produce a greater social return on investment. So yeah. over longer term. That's right. I think thinking about CSR uh, and why it's kind of to some extent languished, let's be honest. I mean, trying to get CSR through an organisation is usually seems quite tricky. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's kind of a side issue. Think about social value, it talks about the core business. So it asks not what is the core business doing, it asks how is it delivering it? Are you being responsible in the way where you're delivering your core business, your core services, if you like? The whole CSR strategy, which is corporate social responsibility, which is the community programs, should be a part of that. Uh, but social value goes so much more, so much further, actually. Mm. Do, do people understand the difference, or is that a, a real challenge? So I think we are helping. The answer is no. People don't really understand the difference yet. But what's interesting is just how uh, the terminology social value has kind of grown and embraced everything to do with CSR and sustainability almost within two, three years of of starting. I mean, the Act came out in 2012. It was implemented through Parliament in 2013. And here we are sort of barely four or five years later. And, you know, where is sustainability? Well, it's all about social value. Where is CSR? It's all about social value. Um, so it's like kind of subsuming all of that. It doesn't mean that community programs don't remain really important to a business, and they are fundamental. I mean, a, a business needs to be thinking about you know ex- its external community programs. These are really important both for the communities, plainly, but also for the people 
in the business to feel as though they're doing something. But social value always also speaks about the how we're going about our business. And I think for someone like AECOM, that's really important. You know, the how do we how do we deliver it? How do we employ people? You know, how do we deliver our services, the people we employ, the things that we do? That is fundamental to establishing yourselves as a, you know, differentiating yourselves from other businesses that are out there. And does it work on a kind of project by project basis or does it work on an organisational basis or is it a bit of both, in fact? Yeah, no, great question. We've had a look internally a lot at this at AECOM and our thinking is that if you really boil it down, it happens at two levels. One is through our offices. So our our employees and our staff members on the ground go generally go into a particular office to, to carry out their work when we're not on site or at client offices. So it happens at a local level through our regions and through our offices. And then the other way it happens, social value happens, is, is through our projects, through, through the jobs that we win and we secure. And that may be as part of a wider framework or it may be a standalone project. But it looks a bit different in both those instances, those two kind of operating levels, be it regionally or at project level. But there's key themes that go all the way through. But I think back to Guy's point, so at, a, at a project level, imagine we're paid X amount to do something by our client. I think social value is asking, what can you do through the methods you do it, who you use to perform those works and those services, how you do it, your methods of doing it, that produces a social impact over and above that set figure that we're being paid. So if we paid one pound to do something, social value is the added value that we bring back to kind of the public purse, if that makes sense, over and above that what we're directly paid to do. So quick answer is regions and project level, with an ACOM anyway. So I'm then interested, I guess I've got two questions. One is, you've talked about pounds. So how do you actually measure it? Which is, I guess, kind of guys' um, (laughs) bread and butter now. Um, And also, then what does good look like? Where do you get the best kind of return for your investment, as it were? So um, one of the stock responses that did exist a year or two ago was there's no way of measuring it. There's thousands of metrics out there. You know, how the hell do we get our arms around what social value is? Well, we've kind of moved beyond that. We know it's about a triple bottom line. We know it's about social, economic and environmental impacts. So that's fundamental and the starting point. The question is, how do you then break it down into sort of something that's more granular? What does it mean to deliver local economic benefit? What does it mean to deliver community resilience? Well, we started on this journey three or four years ago. We put together a group called the National Social Value Task Force, and that's made up of local authorities around the country. Um, We've also got cabinet office on there, and it's chaired by the Local Government Association. And together we came up with a, a means of measuring social value. It's called the National Social Value Measurement Framework, or for short, the TOMS Framework. The reason why the TOMS framework is called that, or the National TOMS for short, is that um, it's structured around a series of themes, outcomes, and measures. So it's kind of got corporate speak. So what are your themes, corporate themes? What are your corporate objectives? And how do you measure it? KPIs, if you like. Every measure has a value. So we're able to look at how you're delivering your work and whether it's a project level or corporate level, you can sort of count the number of measures. So I don't know, the number of volunteering hours that you're delivering or the tons of waste you're um, uh, diverting from landfill or you know the number of long un- unemployed, long-term unemployed people being engaged. Put a value to each of that. So you can come up with a total contribution to society. And that value 
then describes through how you're delivering your work, the fiscal saving you're making to society, and then also the economic flow through, the additional social economic flow through you're delivering into society and above and beyond sort of, sort of normal practice, if you like. So that's been a major, major move. Um, the framework, the TOMS, National TOMS are open source. So we've made it freely available to anyone who wants to download it. Um, and in fact, anyone at AECOM can go and look at the national framework um, at socialvalleyportal.com and just download it. Although we are developing a, a measure, set of measure, a TOMS framework specific to AECOM, which is great. And that is now being used across the country. It's been downloaded about 2,500 times now, I think, uh, by local authorities and, and businesses. So it's become the language. It's not the only language out there, but it's become the key language of, of talking about, and importantly, it's become the key language in procurement. So how are we judging one bid to another bid? And this is where Zach comes in. How do we make a judgment between different bids? Of course, the framework can be used for that assessment. So I, I guess I would add to that, in, without buttering Guy up too much, this has been the <laughs> holy grail almost of, of social value is, is trying to get in engineering speak some sort of standard method of measurement for what social value is because so that we are comparing apples with apples and not apples and pears or bananas or grapefruits to drill it down to kind of an example one company uh, may may say right well give give us this piece of work and we will go and employ 10 apprentices and you say fantastic that, that's great and then company b says we'll employ 25 apprentices. The gut reaction is to say the 25 apprentices is, is much better. Yeah, it creates a much better social value, a much better social return on investment. But then when you kind of probe it a bit, you see that company A is sourcing their apprentices from a school in a disadvantaged school in a failing area with loads of kind of complex social, cultural needs going on, kids from particular backgrounds facing barriers much different and much more complex to the children, generally speaking, in the boarding school, that if we were to get those children, those young people in apprenticeship positions, that's much better social value um, because that's a much better impact on the social, on the public purse. But it's just, it's just creating and it's targeting and it's doing things differently and creating an impact which is far beyond the other way. So having a measuring tool which Gain and the team have developed, which is weighted towards more disadvantaged groups and, and, and all those, those measures that guys began to speak about, suddenly gives us a, a tool to, to value one bit of social va value relative to another, if that makes sense. So it's, it's phenomenal, it's fantastic, and it, and it, and yeah, it drives I mean, just to, the Just practice. to back that up, so just, I'm an engineer, I mentioned that earlier, in fact. You mentioned the engineer. I'm an environmental engineer, so I've spent years and years working on you know sustainable design for the built environment. So it's all about the environmental metrics: carbon, waste, water. You know, banged my head against a brick wall for many, many years getting sustainable design onto the agenda, and it's kind of there now. And we always pretended that we knew about the social side, but actually the truth is we never did. We never actually sort of worked out a way of defining the social aspects of of sustainability. Certainly in the past three or four years, we've worked out only by collaborating with local authorities exactly how to define it and measure the social bit of sustainability. And that's been the, really the biggest breakthrough over the past three, four years, is that finally we can not only 
do all the environmental stuff. We can also do the economic stuff, but importantly, we can talk about how do we build and improve community resilience? How do we ensure that a community is sort of, uh, is not crime free, but is actually sort of more able to cope? And these are the issues that now we're able to measure and tackle. And, and you'll be able to, AECOM can help support. So can you give us just like a few concrete examples of what that means? Yeah, what, I thought, what I'd be really like? interested to hear that because we've talked a lot about kind of what does good look like, but I still, in my mind, what, give us an example. Mm. Yeah. So let me give you a scale first so you understand it. So if you were bidding for work with the public sector, for every pound that you get paid, part of your fees, you should be able to deliver an additional 20 pence value into community. So 20%. That's the kind of starting point, plus or minus. The question is, how do you deliver that extra 20 pence? So you can use the toms on that, so that every tom has, a, every measure has a value. But what, what does that mean, the how? So it could be, for instance, volunteering into the community. That's a simple how. It could be that you link with a local school and you are providing for sixth formers or lower sixth formers mentoring and CV advice. So you're spending time. It might be that actually the head of finance for a particular project actually spends a day or two in a local voluntary voluntary organisation and helps them sort their finances out. So this is volunteering in the community. It could be that you're thinking a bit more about how you uh, recycle your waste and work with the circular economy in terms of what you're doing and how the project team is, is managing it. Um, it could even be that you give an opportunity to you know, a young offender. You actually go, you work, you team up with a local provider, someone who works with young offenders, and you say, look, we're going to give you an opportunity, a work placement for a week or two on this particular project. Those are the things that you need to be thinking about. Again, it's the how. The TOMS framework, which I'm sure uh, Zach will be publishing and sending around, gives you the list of things that you can do. So I filled, and out, lots of them. I filled something like this out. It was a, a good couple of years ago now. And you can just tell me that this was a completely different model and, and didn't make sense or whatever. But the value that was assigned to hiring an apprentice was orders of magnitude larger than time spent in a CV's workshop or school. And again, I'm just curious about how, you know, we, how, how do you kind of relatively measure what all of that means? It just kind of blows my mind slightly. Well, luckily, the numbers are generated by government. A lot of these numbers are generated by government. So they'll tell you the cost of a, uh, an apprentice and the value to society. Remember, we're, we're, we're sort of putting a value on the additional value of an apprentice getting a job. And so they'll come up with a number. And you're right, there is a difference between an apprentice. But actually, do you know what? You can only employ a certain number of apprenticeships. I mean, the, the project can only engage and actually carry those. But volunteering in the community actually is relatively easy. You know, you can go out and do that. You can give a day, two days a year. You know, that's something that you can give and everyone can give. So, and that's why you've got a relative value. And you're right, there is a big difference between those two, but it doesn't undermine what you should be doing around those lower values things. And, and the other thing I would say is that money is not everything. And it, we often have this discussion, straight argument about why are you putting a value on this stuff? Why are you putting a pound value on it? And the answer is that we need to put a pound value on it because we need to understand the totality of it. We need to get some scale as engineers, as, as sort of even the public sector. They need to kind of understand what does 20% mean? They kind of, that's a useful understanding. But as soon as you get the number, people then ask the what. And let's be honest, the most exciting what about you know, the how you're delivering is in the stories. 
you know. So this does not undermine the story. So the thing that will bring that discussion alive. So you might have an apprentice, fine, but actually you've done a school visit in a local school and actually there's pictures around it, there's a story around it. One of those kids has gone on to do something else. That that actually brings it alive. And so we mustn't forget that it's about, and it is about people at the end of the day. The value gives you a certain indicator, but is not the be all and end all by any stretch of the imagination. But we kind of got to start somewhere. Who sets the sort of the social value goals, if you like, for each, you know, each proposal project that we're putting forward who is saying you know is somebody saying that this is an area we'd like you to work on or or is it very much for for acom if we're doing something they think right we've spotted an opportunity there to to, to raise a social value it's it's all of the above it, it depends what the project is where it is the type you know all, all everything about what it is and where it is sometimes our clients are quite specific in terms of what they require what their issues are in that area Maybe a national job, it may be a regional one, it may be tied to a specific project and a locale, in which case the client is quite prescriptive around these are the issues, the social issues that we are facing in, and how are you going to help us as part of this work? Were you to secure it? Are you going to help us achieve these things? Other times it's much less prescriptive, and we as, as ACOM and, and industry need, there's a responsibility on us to look at what the social issues are in the, those areas or area. And our operational solution needs to tap into that through the, the people we employ, the supply chain we use, through the, the, the environmental impact, all those things. So in answer to your question, James, it, it depends. Yeah, basically. and I think the, the key word in this is that despite the Act being now four or five years old, there is still a great deal of inconsistency across the public sector in how they ask these questions. So most of them now have a social value policy the most local authorities, and they require some form of social value submission, all of them, but many of them. The weighting will vary. So in terms of how they assess your proposal, for instance, they'll have a, you know, element, let's say 40% on quality, 40% on price, and then 10 or 20% on social value. And we see that percentage weighting sort of varying. And what's interesting, if you go back three years, the social value piece was probably 5%, and quite often it sort of was snuck into quality, so you kind of lost it, to be honest with you. Now it's standalone, and it's at least 10%, and in some places like Manchester, it's a standalone weighting of 20% social value. So if you do not have a social value offer, you will lose the job at 20%. There's just kind of no way about it. No, there's no way around it. You absolutely, as an organisation, have to uh, have a, uh, an integrated social value policy and you have to be seen to delivering it, otherwise you won't win work. And that's an important point, is that this isn't just a, for looking at this on a sort of hard-nosed business lens, this isn't just a nice thing to do. This is what we've got to do to win work. The, look, this is, this is win, win, win. And, and, and we've had lots of debates on this and discussions to me, this is an open goal for, for, for industry, certainly for us at Acom that we're, we're looking to embrace, right? Is that if we don't do this stuff, we lose work, right? If we do do it, it's great for clearly for society, end users in the community. It's great for our employees in terms of employee engagement. It's great for us as a business because I think this makes a big impact on our employee retention and employee engagement. And then, crucially, on top of it all, as a bonus, we get to win and secure additional work. So, and those categories aren't mutually exclusive. So I'm kind of, 
extremely happy that we can have this conversation on. If we don't do it, we won't win work. Well, that, that helps us, and I don't think we should shy away from that, but we can also do great social good at the same time. So, and that's the way we're running with it as ACO. Yeah, I mean, the way public sector see this, and I, I have to say, we're seeing an, a total transformation of the public sector at the moment through the Act. And, and when I see transformation, it's coming because of austerity. So public sectors had its resource cut or its, its grant cut by 50%. So just imagine for a moment that AECOM had the same amount of work to do, but actually your income, every single client said, sorry, you're getting 50% less to deliver the same job. That's the challenge that our public sector is facing compared to 2010 to now. So it's a massive cut. So that is driving them. So they're looking and they want, they necessarily need to reach out to their partners and say, how can you help us fill the gap? Now, that's not about a common coming in and sorting out, you know, the issues with, I don't know, bed blocking or, you know, public health analysis. It's not about doing the stuff, that sort of stuff, but it is about thinking about how you can support our public sector in certain ways. So, for instance, a big challenge for many local authorities is children who are moving from 17 to 18 and they're in care. So suddenly when they turn 18, they come out of foster homes. They just kind of not quite thrown on the street, but they are near enough there. Bright people, all many able. So you know, perhaps ACON should think about a program for supporting children in care into work, into job opportunities. And that will make a massive, that saves our public sector money. It doesn't actually cost you anything at all. It might cost you a little bit, but not a great deal because you're employing people anyway. But it does make that saving. And that's exactly what the public sector is trying to inspire. If it employs you because you've got a children in care program, it's going to get a more responsible business. But more importantly, it delivers savings and it helps deliver benefits to our community. And that's this sort of mutuality that we need to get towards. But understanding that, you know, there is there's a massive challenge. But because there is such a bit clear business case, this is the reason why uh, the public sector is now just saying that we've just got to do it everywhere. So I can see how big companies like ourselves can, well, we can talk about a little bit about cost, like does it actually cost us anything and how we can absorb that into our kind of daily working lives. What about the smaller companies that may not have the resources or the number of employees that they can keep hiring and you know, how, how do we encourage, I guess, the smaller businesses to have that, fair, that kind of contribution well, to this? Well, it's a very good question. So one of the biggest challenges um, that, in fact, the latest government paper that just came out for consultation yesterday, right at the top of uh, its, its objectives, is to deliver a solution, social value sort of strategy that levels the playing field between uh, big business and small business. Of course, you're a big business. And so you've got people who can spend time on bids, like Zach here, and all the social value stuff. A small business can't do that. But that's also where the, um, the National Toms come into play. And so the National Tom is made up of um, five themes, uh, 18 outcomes, and 35 menus. It's like a menu. So you can imagine going to a uh, you know, Indian restaurant, just any restaurant, you, matter. You, know, you don't have to imagine what the chef's going to cook. It's just there. So it doesn't matter whether or not you are big or small in that restaurant. It's the same menu. And that's where the National Toms play so well. It levels that playing field between big and small. But I think the next thing, I think the challenge for an organization like you is, yes, you are working in the public sector. You know, you've got to drive uh, and think about how you submit your solutions. But my challenge for you is how do you, 
embed the spirit of the Social Value Act into, into what you're doing. So what are you doing in procurement? So I don't know what you spend a year on procurement, but I bet it's, it's tens of millions of pounds. What are you doing? How do you embed social value into your own choices about who you're engaging? Who manages your buildings? Who does your cleaning? How are you buying your paper? Is the paper provider actually thinking about recycling? Probably is, but actually is the paper provider that's employing young offenders? What opportunities are you giving for social enterprise in your supply chain? The thing about social value, it starts all the way down in the bottom of your supply chain and actually rather like a sort of fountain, it cascades or consolidates upwards. So if you've got social value in your supply chain and you bring it all the way through, then it means that Zach can offer it to the customer your customers. So it's not only about what you're doing, it's about you know the how. It's about how you're engaging and that all moves upwards. Because remember this is all about getting more responsible businesses and if you can show that you're spending money with social enterprise, SMEs, then in turn you can show that to your customers and you can win more work. How are we doing? <laughs> we, I mean without giving too much away about what's going on in the inner workings of ACOM. Is it, is it a battle that, that you're winning? Zach, no comment. We? <laughs> um, it's a journey and we are moving fast. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I guess the, one of the key messages I want to say is, this is it's not the case that we were rubbish and we, get, we have to get better. We weren't rubbish. We were where amongst our industry, we were kind of the same as everyone. And I paraphrase that by saying, it's having come from a contracting background in, in past lives, this stuff was a little bit easier, to be honest. We are a consultancy and we sell our people and, and professional services. So our ability to create social value looks a little bit different to other bits of the, the built environment sector. So we have gone from a position being just about as good as everybody else, a bit patchy at times, great in others, at this moment in time, we are we are getting on it, and, and we've got a number of things that we're developing and doing in the background in terms of a social value policy that David Barwell, don't know if he knows it yet, but he's going to be signing off very <laughs> soon. So we're going to have a policy that kind of steers the ship at UK and I level. We're going to have, um, and we're just putting the finishing touches to this social value Tom that Guy has been speaking about, that social value portal of help developers. And that's basically a framework, the menu that says what good looks like for ACOM, given what we do as a day job. And that's going to be rolled out across our regions and across our projects. It's not going to go across all projects because it's got to be commensurate to the project and the thing that maybe it's at bid stage or it's something we've already won. But what we're looking at is rolling it out and applying it to a number of quite big and meaty, uh, generally public sector facing jobs and projects that we're doing and frameworks. And we're gonna start using the TOM to drive us into doing good, really good, cutting edge social value initiatives and ways of doing mm. things. We're gonna then be able to capture it measure it and report it, and that'll then keep driving us on. So we are definitely on the right track and there's more to come. Yeah, and, and it's just worth just pausing slightly and just to make sure that everyone understands the, so the difference between the how and the what. Um, so the what you design is the road or the master plan. And sustainability has been sort of into that and you're very good at that and you should not focus or lose focus on that that's really important that is not what social value is about that's you know the output of your design that's that's the output of how your service if you like 
the how is looking in the mirror at how you're delivering stuff and asking yourselves, can we be more responsible in how we're delivering our work? So it's the mirror reflection that is all about the social value piece in this context. And that's really what you need to begin to focus on. So keep doing the what, keep doing really well, focus on environmental sustainability, you know, water, waste, landscape, ecology, all the normal sustainability stuff, do all that, but then think about how you're going to deliver it to ensure that it's delivering more value to communities. Is this a particularly UK-focused idea? I mean, I presume it, that it's being adopted globally. Where do we stand? Where's, where are doing it well? Where are not doing it well? Are we leading? Are we behind the curve? Uh, UK's ahead of the curve. It's one of the few, in fact, so just to be clear, within the UK, actually in the UK we've got four acts, England, uh, Wales, uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland. So actually each of the territories, if you like, have its own act, called slightly differently, uh, but nonetheless. But we're one of the few countries that have a, an act as such. Um, there are other kind of, so in France they've got a requirement to report around CSR. In India they've got a requirement to spend 1% of your profits on you know, community stuff. But the truth is that I think uh, the UK is leading this debate in putting it into legislation and driving it. And whilst on the one hand you say, well, look, that means we don't have to do it elsewhere, that's the wrong answer in as much that we should be learning what you've achieved here and then selling it elsewhere because you know that every single public sector customer, wherever they are, whether it's in England, Spain, across in America, if you said, look, we're going to do this contract and in addition we're going to deliver this value to the community and you're up against someone else who is just delivering the contract, they'll pick you every single time because you're doing more for their communities. And so I think it is totally transferable, although the act itself is, is what's driving change in this country. So I, I want to ask both of you this question now. Um, what are the next steps? What's the future? Next steps is, so I, I think it's interesting, if we take a step back, the political context and, and the, the government context is that this is being ratcheted up more and more and more. And I think, bring it on. It's fantastic. Um, so the, the Act came in at the back end of 2012, early 2013, and, and it was kind of quite light touch, purposefully legislation, and trickled down from there. What we've seen over time is more and more public sector bodies, um, commissioning bodies, adopting it. And, and as Guy said, in terms of the land of bidding, the strange world of bidding, the weighting given to social values tending to go up and up and up. As of yesterday, referred to it a couple of times, Cabinet Office has put out a consultation document on this, and they are quite very explicit saying, this ain't going away, this is getting stronger, and they're strong advice slash becoming mandatory is that all bids, certainly central government being flowed down to local and other kind of quasi public bodies, it's going to have to be at least 10%. So from a procurement point of view, it's not going anywhere, it's getting stronger. And then as industry and as a big player in, in our industry, we need to adapt or we'll be left behind. So that's what we're doing in everything that we're doing. So it's exciting. So. Um, from our perspective, we're going to continue on our sort of stubborn journey of getting public and private sector work together. And we kind of sit in the middle of that and we kind of bridge the gap and that, that will continue apace. The other that's exciting us at the moment is uh, the translation of, of social value, the national TOMS, into the global goals. So we've just done that mapping uh, and we'll be publishing it in the next six to eight weeks where you take the national TOMS 
and we've mapped them into the global goals for sustainable development. And it's that that we think is going to become internationalised because then you've got a common language to not only have a conversation in the UK between corporates, which is really interesting in itself because you've got you know, the goals, but actually from a country to country, you can then transfer the global goals conversation using the TOMS into how are we as a large organization contributing to these global challenges, not just local, really important, but also the global challenges. And that for us is, is the next stage of development of, of our work. Excellent. Exciting times ahead, I think. Um, well, I think that is probably a very good time, good place for us to wrap things up. Just want to say finally, Zach, thank you very much for joining us. And Guy Battle okay. from the Social Value Portal, thank you very much. We will be back in a couple of weeks' time with another episode of Talking Infrastructure. Until then, take care and goodbye.